What's going on, everybody? This is Noah Alvarez, and you are tuned into the My Mike and I podcast, episode 108. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Whether you're a day one listener or you are relatively new to the show, I greatly appreciate you. Quickly wanted to remind you guys that this podcast is available wherever you listen to podcasts, including YouTube. You can get some visuals of that. Uh, me and Fame Kills, we do that on Zoom, so it'll be split screen. And if you don't follow me on Instagram, go ahead and give me a follow at my period Mike and period I. I made a little announcement earlier this week, basically saying that uh, I'm going to put more of my time and effort into some other areas of my life that are needed, including mental health, including uh, self-care, including a lot of the protests and stuff and organizing those things on the side. So the podcast, um, the intros and outros are going to sound a little different. Just basically, I'm cutting it down as far as time-wise. And I know you may be thinking as I'm talking and rambling, you're like, why is he still doing this long intro? Nonetheless, going forward, it's going to sound and look a little different. Um, So yeah, that being said, a couple advertisements before we get into this week's show. Popple.co, check it out. Use promo code LOCKER for 20% off. Essentially, it's a new digital business card, right? So you attach it to the back of your phone. And whenever you tap someone else's phone... Whatever you program shows up on their screen. So no longer do you have to fumble through your wallet, through your pockets, or through your backpack for business cards. If you're an Instagrammer and you also have a website, you can program that to that when you tap someone else's phone. It shows up on their screen. If you're a skateboarder and you have a bunch of highlights on YouTube, you can also program that and your Twitter and your website or whatever it may be. You program it, Popple will have it. So check out popple.co. Use promo code LOCKER for 20% off. Now, also for my fitness fanatics, check out phoenixfit.com, that's F-N-X-F-I-T.com, and you can use promo code MyMikeAndI with the letter N for 15% off their entire website. They have a lot of good pre-workouts, post-workouts. I currently use the Cricket Protein, which is very sustainable, very earth-friendly, highly recommend it. You do pay a little bit more than the typical regular protein, but you're conserving and uh, taking care of the earth a lot more too. So I love the results I've been getting from that as well, as well as their CBD pills too. Check out their CBD, not pills, uh, CBD gummies uh, on Phoenix Fit. Like I said, use promo code my Mike and I with the letter N and every purchase you make on that website is going to a good cause. They donate one gallon of water to a person in need all across the, all across the globe through their live program. So be sure to go check that out. Phoenixfit.com, F-N-X-F-I-T.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at underscore Noah Alvarez. Shout out to Generic Sports for producing the instrumental playing in the background. And shout out to my homie Vince Correa for designing the Mike and I logo and helping out a ton with the graphics that go into the Mike and I Instagram page. Hope you guys are staying safe out there and, you know, chase dreams, not checks. Now let's get into this week's show. This week I bring on Fame Kills. He's a rapper, an artist, an enter, not an entertainer. Well, I guess he is an entertainer as well. He's a creator though, and he's also an educator coming out of San Bernardino, California. Uh, we talk about his journey and how he end up, ended up as an educator. He's a teacher, professor at Chafee College, which is uh, in the Inland Empire, if you're not familiar with the location of that. And um, we also talk about his journey through going through college, how he got into hip hop and rap, how nerd culture went into the mainstream and much 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 more it's a really in-depth fun conversation that i have with him without further ado hope you enjoy the conversation between fame kills and myself and we doing this thing all right man well thanks again for hopping onto the show really appreciate you taking time out of your day for hopping on yeah first question i wanted to ask you you do so many things and i read that you started rapping at 11 years old 
what were as a kid were you always so versatile and had your hand in so many different topics or areas that you wanted to to hit on uh i feel like i don't know i never really thought about that i like i didn't really grow up in a in a and this is not a knock on my family i didn't grow up in like a creative home you know what i mean not that they didn't uh encourage me to try things and stuff but i was always like a really shy kid um just basically like school you know a bookworm tv like growing up in the early 90s late 80s video games like i wasn't really i was always too like shy and scared to like go out for like team sports like i wanted to play baseball uh because my grandpa was super into baseball and stuff like that but i was always too like shy stuff like that you know so um the music just it it just made sense to me like when i was little because i could just go and get my little boom box put the headphones on and i was just in my own world you know what i mean yeah, I feel you. And you mentioned the, the boombox, too. That's a throwback. A lot of kids don't know about that these days. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So w- was there any artist or song in particular? Because just listening to your music style, there's so many different variances, right? It's a huge variety and a lot of diversity. Was mm-hmm. there any one artist that you said, I want to make my own music now? Um, dang. Nah, I mean, sometimes, sometimes I'm asked the question, like, what, what, what song made you fall in love with hip-hop? Mm-hmm. And and my response is De La Soul, Me, Myself, and I. Hey, that, okay. That song was like just groovy and, and funky, and like the the um, the video was just like it just popped for me, you know. Yeah. Um, so, because there was a point in time like where I only listened to rap mm-hmm. and R and B. You know, like I didn't, and of course, like if I was at a family party, like I'm Chicano, so the fam was always rocking <laughs> oldies and, and shit like that. Yeah. But you know, I had I had like a couple of cousins that were into rock music, and but it was that point in time where it was like you had to choose between like what kind of like are you a rocker? Do you listen to rap? Are you like yeah. a into dance music? Whatever, like you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was more like segregated genre wise and, and and how you identified but like i guess as time went on in like high school and stuff i started getting like into other kinds of music but um i th- i guess maybe like because the first stuff i started rapping over was um i i would uh i would loop like the endings of of the of the beats on timbaland and magoo's welcome to our world album okay so i guess unwittingly maybe like timbaland magoo like misty like that whole crew like alia and that whole crew Mm -hmm. uh, kind of inspired me to to start recording my own stuff and like learn how to rap and then of course like growing up like back then when there was no like rap genius oh yeah (laughs) you know like any song any song that i was vibing with from the radio or like tapes I would just run it back and I would try and write down every single line and mm. thing. And like, I grew up in a sense sheltered. Like my parents didn't let me listen to parental advisory. <laughs> you know, obviously I was still getting the bootlegs from my cousins every day <laughs> and stuff like that. But yeah. like my mom would find my, like, it wasn't even my raps yet. It was me just writing out 
the words to the songs and like so i'd be getting in trouble but i kept i kept doing it anyways <laughs> man i feel that i i remember when i was a kid i wanted to buy like rap cds i was really big into the game 50 cent but all of them had the explicit label and you had to be over 17 to buy it so i never i never had like a older that much older of a cousin or a, i'm the oldest in my my family so i'd have an older sibling but i would mm-hmm. buy those now cds i don't know if you remember like now oh, yep yeah, so like those CDs would have the clean versions and a lot of times I'd have a variety of music. So it'd be like, you know, the country, the Katy Perry's and the Pinks, but like five of the 20 tracks would be like, a, you know, I remember Chingy made it to a few of them. Yeah. Um, you know, there was a few of those so- like hip hop songs on there. They were just clean. And I, I remember like that was my like my way of working around my parents restrictions, you know, but it was, it was funny. Yeah. I had like I think I had now 14 through 20. I want to say I stopped at 20, but yeah. You, do, do you know if they still make those? As of right now, no. But I know like two years ago I was in Target and I did see like a now 49 and I was like, whoa, uh, like that's a trip. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But I know, I know within the last year, Best Buy stopped selling CDs in store. So I'm sure that market is kind of dying down. Yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. But going back to what you were saying, too, where you had to pick one lane, I even related to what you said earlier about kind of like uh, liking the video games and stuff, too, because I remember as a kid, I also really I, I love sports, right? Like sports is what I wanted to get into. Like I just told you before this, we recorded that I wanted to get into ESPN. I played football, basketball, baseball, and I also really love Pokemon. I really love Yu-Gi-Oh! I collected the cards. I actually just sold my deck of Yu-Gi-Oh! cards pretty recently. But, you know, I was into that kind of like and playing video games, stuff like that. But I felt like at that age in elementary and middle school, if I led with, hey, like, I'm Noah and I like Pokemon, people would kind of like, what the fuck, like nerd, you know? But yeah. nowadays, I feel like it's kind of like nerd culture has kind of hit that mainstream where you can say, yeah, I like rap and hip hop. I like Biggie, but I also like Pokemon. I like, you know, the blue eyes, white dragon, but I also have like a, a signed, you know, angels hat by some angels player, right? So it's kind of yeah. cool. Like you can kind of do both. But I remember like back then it wasn't as acceptable. Yep, for sure. That's super true. And, I, and um, yeah, there's a lot of rappers now that are like celebrating anime and Dragon Ball and all that stuff. So that's definitely pushing it into the mainstream consciousness. But um, yeah, I feel that too. I was on that Yu-Gi-Oh swag too. <laughs> and the Pokemon, like I watched the show, I collected the cards. I didn't really play the game. I was kind of a poser with Pokemon. <laughs> but Yu-Gi-Oh, I, I didn't watch the show. I just played the card game. Mm. So and I was like- I, Oh yeah, yeah. I was, I was opposite. I watched the show, had the cards, couldn't play the game though. Oh dang! Then I even dabbled in Magic: The Gathering a little bit, mm. just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but those games get expensive. That's the only thing. Yeah, a dope deck, you know. And then they make all these new like expansions, and it's like, ah oh, man, <laughs> it's hard to keep up. No doubt. Up, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man. So after high school. You attend college. What what was the decision into staying local and attending UCR? Um, my initial my initial idea was I wanted to go to UCI. I mean, that's still kind of local, still SoCal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my whole perception of college at that time was like it's just the next step that you take because everyone, even though I grew up in San Bernardino, which is like, you know socioeconomically it's it's an impoverished place and 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 um a lot of obstacles for kids you know a lot of obstacles to to 
jump over to get to success or whatever you define success as. But I was in the the GATE program. And so I did that all the way through. There was a middle school in San Bernardino that had the GATE program. And then in high school, I was in the International Baccalaureate program. Um, so it was weird because like being in, in the Dino, like around all of those trappings, but still school was like an escape for me from any of that, you know, like, so the people that I surrounded myself with in high school were all in the program. Um, and so when I saw them applying for college and everything like that, like my best friend, he's a doctor. He like, so I've always been like inspired by him and I've always been like, not in competition with him because this, this dude's like leaps and bounds ahead of me in that regard. Well, in my mind, but I always look to him like, I want to, I want to do what he's doing. Um, and so like, yeah, college was the natural next step. And so this is a whole other topic. And I know it's one of the topics you want to talk about, like about community college versus dude, I honestly don't feel like I had a concept of what community college was. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's such a, that's such an issue the way that um, kids and, and teenagers are, we, we were sort of pushed into believing that it's four year or nothing. It's a yeah. UC or a state school or nothing, or, or you're not doing anything of importance or something like that. That's the, that's sort of the narrative that I felt. I felt the pressure. And uh, so I wanted to go to UCI. I didn't get into UCI. I got into Santa Cruz. UCR, Cal State San Bernardino, I forget what else. But um, the, the reason I chose UCR is because I definitely wanted like freedom from home, mm -hmm. but also I wanted to be close <laughs> enough to where like if it hit the fan like emotionally or mentally, like I could just make that trip back home. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that was the main reason that I, I chose UCR over like Santa Cruz. Okay. Right yeah. on. Did you get to stay on campus or did you move to Riverside when you were attending there? I did. I, I did the whole dorm experience. Um, I think like, you know, we could talk about student loans all day, big, <laughs> but, um, and you know, me and my fiance talk about this a lot. Like just, we both grew up in situations where like, like me, I didn't have my own room until I was 13 years old. Mm. And so like just dealing with that and the concept of like boundaries and having your own space, like by the time I was 18, I was dying for like some autonomy and like wanting to, to set out on my own and like have my own space, which is like, and I didn't have a car. Mm. Um, I didn't get a car until like 19, I think. Again, socioeconomic stuff. Mm -hmm. but it is what it is you know what i mean but um i just like i don't regret you know a lot of people would say like well the smart thing to do is just live at home and then drive i couldn't do that because i didn't have a car i, yeah. I guess i could taking buses and buses but i really wanted that experience so yeah i stayed in the dorms and then like i the cats that i met in the dorms we ended up like really hitting it off and so like all four years that I was there, we, we like lived in apartments together. And then our fourth year, we, we rented a house together. Um, so I really got that experience. And I feel like it helped me like 
understand bills and understand like pay rent when the rent's due and yeah. like, you know early 20s was a lot of um overdrawn checking accounts like i had <laughs> you know what I mean? but i learned it and i don't think i would have learned it if i was at home mm -hmm. like at home in the sense of like in my parents home you know mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the biggest. I'm, you know, it's good to hear that you actually did move to Riverside and do the dorm experience because I feel like going away to school, whether it's 30 minutes away or four or five or across the, across the country, you know, I think it's uh, you learn a whole lot about yourself. But two, yeah. being being immersed around other college students, chances are if you're in the dorms, you meet people from, you know, other parts of the state, other parts of the country, sometimes even parts of the world. Because when yeah. I went to Sacramento State, I transferred from a junior college, but that first year, I lived in a, a part of the dorms and um, it was like an upper class dorms or whatever, but still like I had the chance to meet a lot of good people, a best friend that I ended up moving out with my senior year. And we you know, got an apartment together, but I also met people from Australia, people from Brazil, you know, all kinds of ethnic people, people from Nevada, Utah, Arizona, just so many different like people. And I feel like that got me immersed into the school where, you know, I know it was like pretty easy for me coming out of community college, the, the where a lot of people go from where I'm from is Cal State Fullerton, right? And I mm. probably could have done it. You know, I live off one of the major streets, so I could have easily taken two buses to Cal State Fullerton because I didn't get a car later too. Um, mm. But yeah, I could easily just took two buses to Cal State Fullerton and then you know dip once classes are out. But I feel like when you do the whole dorming experience and moving away from home, you get more immersed into the culture and you're more likely to join a club, uh, a fraternity, or you know I was part of the radio station and the newspaper at Sac State, so I just wow. feel like you're more you're more open to doing things like that versus if you were just, you know, uh, what is it called? Tra like traveling to there and back to school, commuting. Yep, yep, mm -hmm. I feel it, dude. Yeah, and, and I think you're absolutely right with like, you get out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. So like, you're gonna try new things because you're like, well, I don't wanna just be sitting in my dorm the whole time, <laughs> like, I need to. And so, and then, you know, there, there's research that shows that students that are, that are, um, involved in campus culture, like naturally, like their, their grades are better. And for the most part, you know, like it really helps to mold a student when they get involved in the, in the extracurriculars and stuff like that. And yeah, as a commuter, I mean, it, it is hard, but I, you know, I understand why some people do it, you know, right. um, they just, some people don't got time, but if, if they can, mm -hmm. it's really dope. Yeah. Like I remember, when you mentioned being involved in, in those, like, I, uh, I try, <laughs> I tried out for this hip hop dance team. Ooh. That's something that I never would have done. Just like, cause I, what I told you, like when I was younger, like I was too shy to go out for like sports that I wanted to play and all that. But like, I was at the dorms and I, I was actually in line to go to, I forgot. Do you remember what it's called when, when you go and meet all the fraternities? Hmm. There's like, like a, like you're rushing. Kind of like rushing. Yeah. yeah. I was in line. Like, they were going to guide us to, like, all of the tables and everything. And I was about to dip out. And then, like, one of my new friends from the dorms like, hey, I'm about to go try out for this hip-hop dance team. Come with me. Mm -hmm. So, like, that kind of – that probably changed my trajectory. Like, I might have yeah. been in a fraternity if I hadn't went there. I didn't make it on the team, by the way. Uh. <laughs> but I still tried out, you know what I mean? And I wouldn't have done that, you know, if I wasn't immersed in it, like you were saying. Mm -hmm. Man, that's that's cool to hear. I wish we had a hip hop dance team. They probably did. I just didn't hear about it. But 
what was your experience like living on campus and then also just living in the Riverside area, your four years of undergrad at UCR? What were they like? Dude, like the thing is, I didn't, I feel like, and I, I don't know if this is specifically like the location or if this happens to a lot of students at like bigger universities, but I was really just, I kind of stuck to the college. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like the dorms, the literal campus, and just like the shops around it. I didn't really venture too much into like downtown Riverside as, as a college student. Like after, like I, I actually recently just lived in downtown Riverside a couple years ago and it's dope, but like, um, yeah, it just echoes what you said, like just meeting all kinds of different people, the dining hall, like that's something oh, that I, yeah. yeah, you know, the dining hall, like you just run into people and like you just sit with strangers and, and everyone's in the same boat that first year. Everyone's just kind of like nervous and you know what I mean? <laughs> it all works out. Um, but yeah, I feel like that's the other thing too, though. I, I feel like in my undergrad, I was not as involved, like, even though I wasn't commuting, I was kind of commuting in the sense of like, I would be at my dorms and like hanging out in other people's dorms. And then, oh, time to go to class, walk to class, like maybe go to the, like the cafeteria on campus or something. And then walk back to the dorms and then you're just hanging out all, all around the dorms. But I didn't really get involved with a lot of like extracurricular programs. I kind of just, mm. did, the, the, I was rapping. I yeah. was rapping in the dorm. That, that's like, and I was in a relationship, and so, you know, there's all that. Um, <laughs> it wasn't until grad school. Grad school is when I really, like, I was more involved. Like, I worked on the campus. Uh, I was part of this program where we were, like, teaching poetry to, to a local high school. Mm. Um, I was attending, like, poetry readings and, and stuff like that. So I was a lot more involved. I don't know if it's because I, I found my lane in terms of what I wanted to do in life. And so I was more excited to, to get those experiences in. I'm not sure. But I guess I was a late bloomer in that sense. Yeah. And that's okay, man. I feel like I was a late bloomer myself. Now, going back to the ma going to get your master's, was that the plan right after you graduate from UCR? Did you wait a couple, a couple years or was it? Explain to me that process. Yeah, I waited a couple years for sure. Um, I, I think like, like even going back to what I was saying a while ago about um, – like in my mind, college was just the natural next step that you take after high school. I think, don't get me wrong, I am grateful for my experience at college, for sure. Um, but I feel like part of it, like undergrad, part of it was like, I wanted to make my family proud. Mm. It was what everyone else was doing. Uh, so not to say I didn't learn anything, because I learned a lot about myself, like we said. Um, just meeting new people and getting new experiences and all of that stuff. Um, but I feel like the difference be for me between undergrad and grad is grad school I did for myself because I knew that's what I wanted. Whereas like undergrad, I wasn't 100% sure. I just knew that this is like, this seemed like the best route. You know what I mean? And like, especially since I really started to get into, like that's where Fame Kills was born in undergrad. Mm -hmm. And so by the end of undergrad, I was like, I want to rap. Like, 
I did like I did my time. I did I got my degree. Like this is for me, but it's kind of for my family too. Like I did that. Now I want to explore music. Mm-hmm. So I did. I so I worked on music. Um, it's like solely. I mean, I was work like I was working like part time jobs and stuff like that. But um, I was doing Fame, and I was I was in a band uh, called Spirit Fangs, and I did that for two years, two or three years before. I, I don't know. I just kind of, there was just something in me that was always kind of like, I mean, this is cool. I like, I like making music and doing shows and the hustle of it, but also I kind of miss being a student. That, mm. I feel like be, being a student is where like, I don't know. I like it. I feel like a student even now as a professor. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was like the driving force for me going back. So I, yeah, I took like two or three years away. Um, and then grad school is really where everything started like stepping up, like even the, even the creative stuff, it was getting fueled by being in grad school too. Mm-hmm. How did you decide on Chapman University? Um, it was between Chapman and Claremont. Um, again, I knew like, cause I, I had, after Riverside, I came back to live with my parents for a while in, back in San Bernardino um, in their one-bedroom apartment. So I was, uh, I was on the couch. I was shit. on the couch. Damn. So it was rough, man. That was, another, that was another reason. I knew I wanted, to, I, I wanted to dip out a little away from San Bernardino. Um, and so my friend, she was, uh, she was doing like the education master's at Chapman, and she, she liked it. And so I was like, all right, let me, let me do a little research on Chapman. So, um, you know, I, I emailed the English department and uh, I talked to the, the professor that was like the, uh, the director of the English department at the time. And uh, he offered for me to come sit in on a class. So I was like, oh, dang, it's crazy. <laughs> so I did it. And it was a, it was a workshop, like a creative writing workshop. And uh, it was dope. Like it felt like I was like, oh yeah, this feels right. Um, like they, they treated me like I was a student in the class for the day, you know what I mean? And, and like, I got to read their, their writing and like comment on it in the workshop and all this stuff. And so from there, I think the same day or that same week, I was like, all right, I'm applying for sure. I applied. Um, I just, I really liked the feel. We already talked about how, how lovely orange is. Yeah. That whole area is so dope to me. Like. Um, yeah, and the rest is kind of history with that. Nice. It's, it's really cool, at least from when I moved, and I'm sure people who've lived in Orange a lot longer can say more about it. But Chapman University was a relatively small university when I was growing up. Their football mm. stadium that they have now, and I don't know if it was built when you were attending there, but the football stadium that they have now, they renovated it recently. So it was relatively small, you know, like, and, and for the most part, like, it, it was expensive. So, like, a lot of the, my friends at least, you know, we, we never thought about going to Chapman straight out of high school because it was like, oh, this very, you know, expensive college. But now recently, I know they've had some pretty successful people come out of their film program. Uh, and it's they're just like buying. It feels like they're just buying lots left and right in orange around right. the school so that they're growing. And I, I believe I read something in one of the newspapers that they like since 2000, like I think it was comparing the decade from 2010, like their, their total admissions was like under 10,000, but now they're like approaching 20. And so it's, it's kind of crazy to see the growth of Chapman University 
from a relatively small university, private, but now it's becoming more and more prestigious. And, you know, right after college, I was driving Lyft a lot too mm-hmm. and working different part-time jobs. But because I live in Orange, I had a chance to meet a lot of the students there. And, you know, a lot of times they're from out of state. You know, I met a lot of kids or students from like the East Coast, Pennsylvania's, Massachusetts, New York's. And it, yeah. was, it was just, you know, it was different to meet those kind of people from different parts of the, the world. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, not to mention that it, it's a it's a pretty, pretty white campus. Yeah. Not, not, not wrong with that. But it, I think that that was a, that was something that felt like a challenge to me that I wanted to take that I, that I, I felt like there was a, there was a space for me to fill there with my ideas as a, as a Chicano. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I never, I personally didn't really deal with any, like anything racial, but I definitely had some of my ideas challenged. I believe simply from the fact that some of those students had had never heard such a perspective. And so it was kind of foreign and didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that would be, that would be kind of, it would be a little scary to to present and vulnerable to present certain ideas um being like the sometimes in the class being the only person of color in the class Mm -hmm. but like i said like it really helped me grow and feel comfortable and and like i think i learned a lot of perspective taking there Mm -hmm. you know learning how to how to argue civilly all that type of stuff which is very lost on us as a nation right now yeah yeah, and it's okay to disagree with people, but you got to at least hear them out. And it's a completely different experience, or it, but I can relate with it because going to Sacramento State, there's a lot of people who go from the Central Valley, right, who grow up in like little farm towns around Fresno, like Clovis, Tulare, and, and more on and so forth, and I'm forgetting. But, you mm-hmm. know, we live in the city, and like, I don't know what San Bernardino's like, but it's still like relatively urban, right? And living mm-hmm. in Orange County is urban. Living in the LA uh, area is urban. But, you know, you meet people there and then you, their families. And I just remember talking to them about like, because when I was going to school there was when the drought was still really heavy. So the drought affected a lot of them, especially if their parents were farmers, you know, and they come from Latino backgrounds or your know, parents immigrated from Mexico. Uh, the drought affected them way different than it affected us. You know, it's like, oh, they're, you know, we're getting less water pressure in our showers and yada, yada, like kind of like almost like first world problems kind of stuff. Yeah. But yeah you know, to a farmer, if you get less water, that's like a whole livelihood and like, how are they going to grow their crops the same? And it was just, it was kind of different to hear that kind of perspective. And I was like, whoa, like this is different. Like, you know, yeah. and then luckily 2017 hit and that's when like the whole state pretty much got flooded with rain. So, you know, it, it wasn't lasting very long as far as drought talks. But I remember my first few semesters there, I was like, well, this is different. Like I never thought about it from that perspective. And it was cool. Cause I, there was a few friends I made that I got to meet their families that live in those small towns. And, you know, like, it's crazy. Like their neighbors are like a hundred yards away and like, it's, it's so much open land at night. It's really cool. There's like barely any city lights. So it was nice. Is that, is that like, where, where is um, Sac State? Is it in the, is it in the city or is it like in a more rural, rural? So Sacramento is actually a pretty big city and it's like on the edge of Sacramento leaning into one of the neighboring cities. But Sacramento, I would say is, is kind of like a Santa Ana, uh, probably like Long Beach size more so. But there's yeah. there's cities around it too, right? And um, it, it's you know as soon as you leave, like I would say there's at least like four cities, 
each way. Like, so there's like maybe two or three cities north, two or three cities south, mm-hmm. uh, four cities to the east, and then like maybe one city to the west. And then it gets like pretty, like uh, pretty rural. But for the most part, like living in Sacramento, that's a big misconception is like people think Sacramento is still pretty like old west and, and more rural, but it's, it's actually like pretty city. You're not near downtown where the school is, but you're off that main street where if you take, all it t- I would take is one bus all the way down into Midtown or downtown to where like mm. the Sacramento Kings play and they have, you know, concerts there or they have their old town too. So it was, it was um, all pretty convenient, easy to get to their public transportation system, pretty similar to the Bay area. So it was very easy to get around. Mm. Do you, do you ever see yourself heading back up there? I, I get asked this question a lot because I had a lot of fun there. I feel yeah. like, Mainly, I had a lot of fun, though, because the people that I met there and a lot of them are either graduated and have moved back home or just moved on to different cities. I feel Mm. like I I still know a handful of people that are living in Sacramento. Um, But to me, I I just think it was like it was good to get a new environment. I feel like very similar to you. I felt like I was you know kind of trapped at home and and trapped around the same people. So it was good for me to get away. And I think Sacramento would be cool because I could continue to explore a little bit more about myself and meet new people. I think it'd also be good just to go to like a different city in general and, and mm-hmm. you know, just meet new people and kind of explore, explore the country that way, you know? Yeah. 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 It's dope. Yeah. And it's cool because Sacramento was like an hour away from Tahoe, an hour away from the Bay Area and like an hour and a half away from Yosemite. So you're relatively close to a lot of cool things where there might not be a lot to do in the city, but there's a lot of things close. Yeah. Yeah. Man, Tahoe is beautiful. Yeah. Oh man. People think Big Bear is nice. Oof. Tahoe will just like shit on Big Bear any day of the week. (laughs) (laughs) So I did want to ask you too, because you did uh, get a master's of fine arts in creative writing. And that's something that honestly I've been debating a lot. And I'm sure there's a lot of other people who probably listen to the podcast thinking the same thing. What was your experience like? And how did you come up? how, How did you come to decide to get that master's in creative writing? I feel like I was always on the path to be an educator. Like, I think there was moments when I fought it, like, nah, I'm going to be a rapper. (laughs) And then, like, once I saw people like Ninth Wonder, you know, being being an acclaimed producer, but also he's he's a professor. Mm -hmm. I think think at at UNC he's a professor. just just seeing people like that really inspired me like whoa i can do both of these things and this goes all the way back to the con- like the earlier conversation where like there was a time when you had to choose up like do you you know do you listen to this music or that music do you play sports or you play are you a nerd like mm-hmm. we're living in in a more accepting time where you, like i don't have to just be a professor i don't have to just be a rapper not, I mean, if that's what you wanted, I mean, if that's what, if that's what your identity is, that's fine. But for me, it just so happens that I'm both of those things, you know? And so, uh, like seeing, like seeing Ninth Wonder really made me feel like, man, I do want, I do want to give that feeling that I got from certain teachers that turned me on to like poetry, turned me on to a certain author, like just help me learn something about myself. I wanna, I wanna be able to do that for, for students. Students like myself, even students unlike myself, you know? Um, and so when I went to Chapman, I 
I forget it because I did that. They have a dual. They have a really cool program for the for the masters. They have a dual degree program, which is what I did, which combines the masters in English and the MFA in creative mm-hmm. writing. So you like knock out, like one class will knock out credits for both of them. Mm-hmm. Kind of. Thing. Um, I forget which program I started in. If it was the MA or the MFA, um, but I just like the reason I I did the MFA po- portion is because I I since I was so deep in making music, I wanted to see how that could develop my music writing more. And I feel like it, it has shaped the way I, I write music, obviously the way I write poetry, because that's what I did the degree in. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it gave me thicker skin because like the majority of the MFA is is about doing workshops and you're getting and you got your you got your work on the chopping block every couple of weeks and people and it goes back to what we're saying that it's it's not your homies it's not your homies that you grew up with it's right. people from everywhere and so they don't you know they're gonna give it to you the way that they <laughs> give it to you and either you're gonna just be defensive about it and and not grow or you're gonna take that and and learn how to how to improve you know, learn, learn what's like what you, cause not all feedback is good feedback. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, like really analyzing the feedback you're given, like that's what I learned from the MFA program. Um, and, and doing the dual, I wanted to do the dual because like I said, I knew that even if rapping would have been like the main thing that I do in life, and I became like the Mexican Kendrick or something like that. <laughs> Even if that would have happened at the end of the day, I wanted to end up in, in the college and I wanted to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew I needed at least, at least that degree, at least the MA, if not a PhD to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was, I was sort of throwing my chips in early. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm, I don't have a hundred percent direction, but I think I would like to do this in the future. And so, and here I am, like it, it came to fruition. Mm-hmm. So going back to what we said earlier, cause we're kind of programmed in high school, it's university or bust. Did you always think you were gonna uh, uh, teach at a community college or were you thinking about other levels while you were in the program? Um, honestly, while I was in the program, I wasn't even thinking of teaching, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Like I was like, I'm doing this, I'm playing the seeds now for like, 10, okay. 15 later, um, I wanted to be a rapper. Like that's what, it, that's what I was pursuing. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it came time to, to start thinking more about it, um, I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know. I just knew I wanted to be in higher education, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I don't think I, I didn't really have a vision of like, I want to teach at a UC or I want to teach at whatever. Um, I just knew I wanted to be in higher ed and, uh, I guess it just kind of happened this way, the way it was supposed to happen. Cause, um, so I graduated from, from Chapman in 14. Um, then I moved out to LA and I was doing, <laughs> I was doing closed captioned editing for like TVs and movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did that for a year and I just, I don't want to say it was soul sucking, but like there was no creativity to it. Like I was, 
I was missing the IE. Um, and so I just was like, you know what? I need a reset. Mm-hmm. So I, I came back to the IE, jumped back on my parents' couch for another year in my late 20s. That, that was rough on the ego, but, you know, <laughs> break it down. Um, and, and one of my grad school, it's funny because one of my closest grad school homies, I met him at Chapman, but he's from San Bernardino as well. Mm-hmm. I never met him when we were in San Bernardino, so that was trippy. But he, he started uh, adjuncting at a community college, like, like right out of uh, grad school. And like when I came home, he was like, hey, like, have you ever thought of, of being an adjunct? Like, you, like this is the plan. Like you could do adjunct part-time and then the money that you make, you could fuel your music. Like, and you'd be a good professor, I feel like. So I was like, all right, let me try this. So, uh, you know, I applied. I th- he put in a word. So this goes all the way back to the, imp- like, for me, the network that I made at, at Chapman has been, like, dude, to this day, like, so good. So yeah. good. It helped me open so many doors for me. Um, but, you know, like. Yeah, so so I got I got the adjunct position. I was an adjunct professor for um, three years. I was teaching at at Chafee College in Rancho, and they have a campus in in Fontana. And then I was teaching at um, uh, the RCC district, the Riverside Community College district. Uh, I was at Moreno Valley. Did that for three years. Then I saw uh, Chafee had a, a full time position open, so I was like. Let me shoot my shot. I, sh- I shot my shot at Riverside, too. I didn't get that one. I didn't even get an interview for that one. Damn. But Chase, they gave me a chance, and here I am. I've, I've just finished my first year of, of a full-time position. Um, but just being, being in, this, in the community college setting for those three years, like, I think I even knew after the first semester, man, that I was like, these, this, this, this is a beautiful place. Like, community college is a beautiful place um for people that maybe grew up like me mm-hmm. um it's a it's a it's a, a a good gateway drug yeah you know it's it's lower stakes obviously it still costs money but there's still ways around that um and i just feel like i feel needed at the community college level mm-hmm. um not to say that like I wouldn't be useful at the, the four-year Cal or, or UC institution level, but I just feel like there's a, di- like community college students are a different breed. Like a lot of them are, are really hungry for success. In, in, in my experience at the four-year, like some things came easier to, to people that, that went straight into a four-year. Like even for me, I feel like, I don't know if it was just a natural thing or just the environment that I was in in school. Like, I kind of took for granted, like, this is what you do next. Like I said, like, and it's just like, like meeting my students and we do those icebreakers on the first day. And, 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 and I say, all right, tell me, like, tell me something about yourself. And they'll, they'll show us their, their tassel from high school. And they'll be like, I know this is not a big deal, but this is a big deal to me. Mm-hmm. And that just, that blew my mind. Mm-hmm. And it, it just made me feel like, you know what, like education is powerful. It's so powerful and, and it's such an accomplishment and it can mean the world for a lot of, a lot of people. Um, and I want to be there to celebrate that with them and like champion them 
and just help help people like i said that that are from the same environments that i've been in and like just set, be an example for them because i feel like for the most part i don't want to generalize here but for the most part if you if you're in the four year like you might not need that same reflection as much because somehow you've been able to navigate through already mm-hmm. if that makes sense yeah um, you know what i mean um but yeah man the drive and what what a lot of community college students do to set themselves up for success it's like it's so inspiring it's mm-hmm. so inspiring to me yeah so that that's why cc is my choice of place to be yeah that's great to hear i was having this conversation with that because i have an internship right now at fullerton college with the sports program and working with them doing a lot of like behind the scenes work for uh, some of their production that they do for the sports but like we're, we're lucky that we here in southern california we have some of the best community colleges like in the entire world and mm-hmm. like i remember so right out of high school i went to golden west college which is in huntington beach on the border with westminster mm-hmm. and I, I played I played football for a year and a half there, but I remember meeting a lot of people who came from out of state, from like Washington, Alabama, and like the South, and then other parts of the country. And I was wondering like, why are people from other parts of the country not like, why can't they just go to community colleges over there? But then you yeah. learn community colleges aren't the same over there as far as like education wise, even like, sure, they might have good sports programs, but here they have good sports programs and a lot of good education. And I think honestly, like, I, I think I, out of when I weigh at my Golden West College experience and my Sacramento State experience, I still think like to this day, I had better professors at the Golden West College level. And I learned so much more from them. That's where I was introduced that you can like make money off being a sports broadcaster. Cause I remember I was like a basic intro to communications class. And they're like, you know, here are some of the things that you could do with the communications degree. And they're like sports commentating. And I was like, wait, 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 you mean Vince Scully and those guys got paid for that? Like what? <laughs> like sign me the fuck up for that, you know? And so that's, you know, where I've really fell in love with that. I had a really great English professor because I, I talked about another previous show. I had an English teacher my senior year of high school that told me I was a bad writer, like just straight up. Like, and so I was like, fuck, you know, and I already went in with a bad way of thinking going to community college. And I had to take two classes before I could even take a, what is it like transfer eligible English class? Yeah. For the placement test. But mm-hmm. I remember I meeting like my English professors at those two levels were really wonderful, helped me grow a lot as a writer to where I think, you know, I wouldn't have been where I am now had it not been for them. And so I just just remember, like, and I can go on about all the professors that I met, but a lot of the professors I met at the community college level still, like, blow the four-year university. I had some good, don't get me wrong, I had some good professors at the four-year university, too. But I just think overall, like, big, like bigger picture, man, the community college experience for me was a lot. I got a lot from it, especially, you know, I'm a first-generation Mexican-American so like I don't have the uncles and aunts to help me walk through college. I think if I went to a four-year university straight out of high school, I would have been in trouble. Probably would have, uh, you know, with all that freedom, I definitely would have, you know, fooled around too much probably. <laughs> so I'm glad I did go to the community college route, even though it's perceived sometimes by mainstream society as the the not not the neg like a negative path, you know? Yeah, yeah, and that's another thing going to your point about. Uh, that that's what blew me away when I started teaching there. Uh, the 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 ratio, the student to professor ratio. Like, yeah, dude, I I probably met like maybe five of my my professors at UCR, 
big ass classes, like lecture halls, you know what I mean? And and again, like you said, like that's not to say they're bad. It's just a different setup. And yeah, I love having being able to have that one on one with all 30, 32, 33 of my students if they if they want that. They come to my office and like that's that's super dope to me. That's something that yeah, I wish I wish I would I maybe I would have had a um a better sense of my direction sooner if I had that. Like and, and it's like you're saying, like in the four year, like you I think a lot of four year cats like they, they come equipped with self advocacy, you know, like and and that's that's a skill that that is useful that you can learn at a community college, you know, like um but but the professors are to help you along the way, you know, whereas at a four year that I feel like if I if I had an issue with my grade or something, I needed to go email them or or I needed to go to their office and find where the office is and all of that stuff. And if even if they had time, because they got all of those, you know, I don't even know how many students they have per semester. I have like, you know, 100, 140. I don't even want to know how much a UC or a Cal, a Cal mm-hmm. as well double triple that i don't know <laughs> but that's why they got tas i guess mm-hmm. yeah that's true <laughs> yeah so throughout your entire collegiate career between undergrad and master's programs how difficult was it to continue to pursue rap was there any time where did you have any times where you really struggled to put out any content um well for undergrad i i didn't really start like putting my music out for the public consumption until my final year. Um, so I was just honing my craft for those first three years. Um, and like I said, like I wasn't really doing too much extracurricular stuff at UCR. So it was just do homework, hang out, work on music. Um, grad school, I was thriving in everything because I was part of a label, uh, an indie label called Black Cloud Music. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were we were making moves um and so they like just being around the like um, noah james curtis king um like just making moves supporting each other inspiring each other so that that what the output wasn't really difficult what did get difficult was having that and also i was still part of the of the band that i was in um and i was working so school full time, working part time, and then doing fame, and then doing the band. It it got strenuous, um, especially because like the band and the music was primarily happening in the IE. So like making those trips so much was getting taxing. Um, doing shows was getting difficult because you know I'd be out super late and then have class and work super early. Um, I had I had to eventually give up one of the one of the musical things. Mm-hmm. So I figured I was a better rapper than a guitarist. So I quit the band. Uh, Cause they were like, it came to a head. Like they wanted to go on tour. Mm. They were booking a tour. Damn. And I, I was like, damn, I guess this is where it becomes real. Cause I, I can't do it. I got class and all of that shit. Um, and it, it didn't make it difficult. Like there was a couple of tours that Black Cloud did. Um, like they were on the road to pay dues tour with MERS uh, with the whole nation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wasn't able to do that at school, but I at least did the the whole um, California dates. So I got to tour California. Um, 
so as far as content no like it, i was thriving because like i was getting ideas from the books i was reading and the and the writing that i was doing and it was just all mixing in a nice blender for content um but but maybe going out and and doing like i did a lot of shows don't get me wrong like i i feel i feel blessed and i feel um proud of the of what i was able to do while still going to school um but like maybe just things like missing a national tour which could have been something cool to mm. experience how did you originally come up with the name fame kills no oh, fame kills started as a gamer tag oh okay um, do you remember psp yeah oh yeah yeah yeah. i still have yeah. mine <laughs> the, the og ones the no 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 i Can you i forgot what generation it was it was still like more of the OG type. It wasn't the newer one that was like more sleek designed. Yeah. But I remember I, I had like a bad anger management problem as a kid, and I went through three of them, man. Like I was the one that I have left is my fourth PSP, but I used to just. Damn. Those aren't cheap, man. I know, dude. That's <laughs> it was all my allowance money, man. <laughs> dude. Yeah. Do you remember? Um, do you remember the game SOCOM? It was a first-person shooter game. Mm-mm. This was like first-gen PSP. Um, but that that was my gamer tag on there, just fame kills, and then it, I just started rapping under it just because uh, I don't know it's kind of cheesy, but like it's just a reminder to to me personally. My philosophy with art is that like I guess it's really whatever you're doing now that I, now that I think about it, like if you're doing it for the wrong reasons, then it it's not like it's not living. Like if I'm making music just to make money or just for the clout or something, like my art is already dead. It's not, even if people are fucking with it, like it's, it's, there's a, there's an expiration date on that. Mm-hmm. There's an expiration. So I always, I always think of that name. Like that's why it's spelled F A I M. Like if fame, if, if that's your aim with whatever you're doing, if, if being noticed is your sole intention with whatever you're doing, that's your art your you know what i mean yeah your foot's already broken at the at the beginning of the race mm-hmm. um and so i always try to think about that because i mean come on i i mean the, the the age we live in everyone's susceptible to still like uh those 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 likes those likes feel good on yeah Instagram and and those numbers feel good and, and it's easy to get caught up in that rat race and streaming numbers and everything uh, but I just, I, I don't want to, I don't want to fall victim to that for too long ever, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's what the name is about. So transitioning off that, what is your biggest motivator, not just behind your music, but behind you becoming a teacher or professor and doing all that you do, all the different lanes that you have? Uh, it's just offering my perspective really like, when I say that, that sounds that sounds a little egotistical, like who gives a fuck what I have to say. But at the same time, I think it is important. Uh, I think it's important for a young um, first gen, second gen, whatever, Chicano, Chicana, to see someone like them mm-hmm. make music or see someone like them teach a class or see someone like them write a book of poetry. Um, like everyone in life has their lane, you know, everybody's, everyone's special and not special at the same time. 
Mm-hmm. I feel I feel like people seeing you do this podcast and learning your story. There's some there's a kid out there just like you. Mm-hmm. You know, they have their own way of seeing the world and all of that and their own experiences, but like the core of of what you're of your truth that you're bringing to us right now, that's going to resonate with them, you right. know? With, with those people it's meant to resonate with. Mm-hmm. That's what I that's what I mean by like we're all special and we're all not cuz we're going to we're going to affect certain people uniquely in a very memorable way you know and then some people you're not and that's fine um but i feel like i owe it to the to the universe or the world or whatever to 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 put my truth out there for whoever is is um meant to receive it Mm -hmm. and i think it's important like what you said too because growing up you know me wanting to get into media and eventually one day being on tv other than George Lopez, like there wasn't a lot of Latinos in TV, right? There's not a lot of Latinos, unless you're listening to, you know, La Raza radio station or something like that, a Spanish yeah. radio station. There's yeah. not a lot of whole, you know, there's not a lot of Hispanics in radio or in those different forms of media. And even I was just thinking back to like my high school teachers. Honestly, I think only the Spanish teachers were. Uh, and I remember there's one Spanish teacher who wasn't even like Hispanic or anything was teaching Spanish uh, in community college. I want to say I had like two or three and then at the university, I think I had one Latino teacher. Um, but I remember take like I remember like I took a history of Mexico class, and the teacher wasn't even like Hispanic or Latino or anything. And so I was just like, "What?" <laughs> like you know, like so it, it is you like you doing what you do, and me doing what I do, and other people like other Latinos pursuing this. I think it's great, like you said, for the kids because the more, especially at the youth level, elementary and, and middle school kids, the more of us that they see it's inspiring, you know, because you, you do want to see more. Cause sometimes I feel like for us, it was either, you got to be like, you know, who did our families look up to Oscar de la Hoya, you know, some famous baseball player or, you know, so it was like either like athletics or some other form is the only way you can make it uh, to like an inspiring level. But I, there's definitely other forms. You just got to start, you know, slowly, but surely make your way into those positions. Yep. Yep. I feel that. So going back to your music, I want to talk about your most recent album, the Icov album. There's so many different sounds. Can you just tell me like what went into the album and how long it took to to create this album? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I started writing this album in 2017, something like that. And uh, so a lot of my a lot of my my former catalog is very much. Uh, like the persona of fame kills was very like, well, I was trying to be tongue in cheek about a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of tropes that happen in rap music, uh, like a hypersexualized masculine figure. And, and I also combined that with just my own narratives of like heartbreak and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I did deal with a, like a, a big heartbreak when I was like in my twenties um and then i found love again um and and now i'm engaged and i don't know what's gonna happen with this wedding we're supposed to get married this year in october um so we're just hoping and praying to see what happens with it but you know if we gotta if we gotta shut it down a year then that's what we're gonna do but anyways um icob was really about like taking all like making it like a like a bookend like okay that old fame is gone like i'm not that person i don't enjoy making those kinds of songs anymore that's not the story i want to tell anymore 
I want to look at love, romantic love, friendship, uh, self-love from a different perspective, from a new perspective. Um, and so that was like, this album wasn't even intentional, bro. Like I didn't, I didn't set out to make this album. I was just making songs with my engineer and producer. And like, as they, as they went, as they started coming together, then so did the album. Um, but I was able to like, even the songs that are sad on it, they're not really from my perspective anymore. Uh, but I have, I had those tools to access mm. that, those feelings and those moments. Um, so it was, it was really about being able to like do new perspectives of it and just, and just me thinking about it, about love and like being in love in my thirties and stuff like that. Um, and then, so like most of it was produced by, uh, cash only who's, who's my engineer. Um, and I think we share similar influences. I think we had the same trajectories of like, mm, you like hip hop, but you also like eighties music and you mm -hmm. also like, like emo music and whatever, all of the different genres. Uh, so I just think it just blended really well. Like I didn't have to really, like I would like, like one song I said like, hey man, I want to try to make a, like a nineties house type of song. Mm -hmm. And then he just put his own spin on it. Um, I want to make like a, uh, like a new wave goth type of song. And that's kind of all I would say. And then he, he would just come back with these dope, like whatever you come up with. I didn't, it wasn't, I didn't do too much like co-producing on this. Mm -hmm. um, it just came together because I think we, like I said, we share similar like influences and, and we're both fans of like a lot of different kinds of music. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what was cool about listening to the album is because like the first track, Cuatro Oscuro, it reminded me of something like my parents would listen to like New Order, that new wave, like Duran Duran kind of feel from the 80s. Yeah. And then you listen to Pin Drop, the very next song, very different sound. Then there's like, and it feels like later in the album, very different sound too. So I thought it was cool, like song by song, you get a different sound, which is not always like done as far as like for artists. And I think it's very like bold, like it takes... A lot of confidence and a lot of um yeah just confidence to like put out a, a piece of artwork like that how, yeah. how did you come up with the name icob though so icob is on the title track uh is icob and the hook goes it's very cheesy the hook goes suddenly one day turn the ik into an ov between the le so mm. turn the like to love and i just i took that i the icob and i just that, I mean, it's cheesy. Like, there's no, <laughs> that's how it came about. I mean, I, I like it. It's funny. It's like an inside joke to myself. Um, but it just sounds mysterious. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it, it, it'll be the only thing, too, when you search up. Like, you know, no, there's not going to be another Ikov song or album out there. Like, that's the thing, yeah. too, is, like, you, you give it a pretty common title, it's going to be, like, 10 of them, right, from artists all over the world. But that one's going to stand out for sure on its own. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so you mentioned too that you got engaged. I wanted to say congrats, by the way. But how difficult has it been planning for a wedding during this quarantine? You know, like it's like ever since the quarantine, because my fiance and I we're both educators. Um, so we've both, you know, we're both very grateful that we we still have work and like we like she does her um like we both do like the zoom the zoom type of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Um but being home we've we've actually had a chance to like 
sit down and really do some planning, which we weren't doing as much when we were like, you know, reg- like before all this happened. Um, so in that sense, we've, we've made some good strides. Like we've been able to, like I said, like sit down and really talk about things we want and, and contact like vendors and all that type of stuff. So that's been good. But then on the flip side, it's like, you know, are we doing this in vain right now? Like, we don't know what's going to happen. And like, we're just rethinking everything, you know, like, we, like, courthouses are starting to open up again. Mm -hmm. So if we need to, like, we've already talked about, like, we, as long, we just want to be married, you know, like, then we were getting into the ideas of like, yo, is the whole thing of a wedding, like, do we want this? Or is it like part of like what society has told us? Like our love is our love. Mm -hmm. Like, do we need that? Like, we don't, you know what I mean? So like we, like right now we're just resolved to like, yo, like we're going to keep planning. We're going to try best to enjoy the planning until, until we can't, Mm -hmm. you know, and we'll cross that bridge if, and whenever that comes, you know, but as of now, we're still, we've already talked to our vendors, you know, and we've been like, look, if, if we got to push it back, are you willing to hold our deposit to another date? Mm-hmm. So we've, we've been counting, you know, we've been crossing our T's and everything, making sure just in case, but you know, we're trying to enjoy it as, as best we can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then going back to the societal pressure thing, I mean, especially in a Mexican culture, like weddings are huge, you know? Yup. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like for people sure. don't, yeah, people don't play around with weddings. They were ready to ball out for that. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so I yeah. did want to I did want to talk about too the and it feels like challenge that you're doing for one of your songs that yeah. is on the most recent album Icov. Uh, I heard you talking about it on another show basically like what was it like to spend quarantine inside your head, get to know more about yourself? What was that experience? I know you were still working as an educator. Obviously, you still had more time, less distractions, and you couldn't go out as much. So what was quarantine like inside of your own mind? Um, it's been really, like, my fiance and I have been very uh, intentional about making sure that we're taking care of our, our mental and physical health and having routine. Like, we're both, like, we're both in therapy, and we both... Um, believe in self-care and like breaking cycles of trauma um and so like yeah like for me if i'm not in a routine my mind is just gonna and then i'm down here i'm in i'm in depression land and anxiety land and all of that stuff so um like yeah like we'll be we'll do yoga um we'll like we've been playing speed like since this thing started we we have like a whole like we have a um like a scoreboard and, and we'll have like the like who's the champion of the week. Dang, okay. Um, yeah. She lo- she loves to go on go on walks and I'm I'm kinda lazy, but we've been trying to do walks when we can. Um, you know, obviously a lot of uh Netflix Hulu type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um but we've we've both been able to be very creative, I think. Um like I really hit the ground running with ICOV, like because it was pretty much done like last year. Um, but I was just waiting on some some files and that was taking a very long time. But once this started and I had, I mean, I'm just at home. So like you said, when I'm done with, with work, 
like I want to be creative. So like at like I hit the ground running with the campaign and everything like that. So I've been able to do a lot more creative stuff. Um I think it's just really figuring out like boundaries, man, like work boundaries. Mm. You know? Like closing that laptop when you're done with work. Just yeah. feel done. You know? Um putting on clothes. Like not that you're walking around naked, but putting on clothes that you would wear out. Mm, right. Just little stuff like that. Trying to trying to find ways to to not make it feel like the same day every single day. Mm-hmm. That's what the quarantine's been like for me. Um but yeah, just be it like being being quarantined with the person I love too, like like the conversations that we have, we get we get to have and mm-hmm. learning learning to work through arguments and you know, um taking space when you need to take space and how and what does that look like when you live in the same space? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, we got two cats too. So nice. Spending time with them, you know. Uh, I think they're getting kind of annoyed by us being here, but I don't know. <laughs> what about what, what's quarantine like for you? Honestly, it's been kind of good. I would say I really discovered that I was an introvert after this quarantine, or it's over kind of for me because both my jobs have resumed. But okay um it was it was good honestly like for five six weeks i didn't have either job and you know you see on the timeline people are kind of like oh i miss going out i miss doing this and i honestly i felt like really good because i i feel like i was able to put more time in the podcast i really enjoy bike riding so like that first week i was able to fix my bike because i had been busted for like a long time and i just kept putting it off putting it off and i finally fixed it and now i've been going on bike rides like at least twice a week just you know because i love that feeling yeah. Um, I picked up my mom's old, uh, Minolta camera from the eighties, like with film 35 millimeter and everything. I was able to order some film. You know, I, I haven't gotten developed yet. I'll probably wait till after quarantine to do that. But, uh-huh. you know, I've been shooting, you know, going out, riding my bike and shooting at a park or cause every, everywhere is empty. So I feel like there was a lot of good opportunity for shots there, but I don't, I don't really know anything about photography either. So it's all experimental. Hopefully they came out good. Um, That's yeah, I've, I've been able to spend more time reading um you know I'm a big bookworm too and I I just feel like I was able to work on a lot of uh stuff I have this podcast I was able to create two more podcasts during the quarantine that are still like trying to get the ball rolling but we'll see where it goes and hopefully you know takes off I was able to create a website with a friend um and right now it's primarily a sports blog where we're looking to add some pop culture maybe some travel stuff in there right now so I was I feel like I was able to create a lot and you know, I definitely like after this quarantine, I feel more introverted. I kind of understand more teen yoga. You mentioned yoga earlier too. Yoga was something I had recently discovered like about a year ago. And I was like, oh, this, is feel- this feels good for me, but I would only do it every now and then. And, you know, basically I did like a, a 30 day challenge. Actually, yesterday was my last day of the 30 day challenge. So for 30 straight days, I was doing yoga every morning before work. And, you know, honestly, like that, that really like changed my life a lot too, you know? I wanted to ask you because you mentioned mental health and self-care, which is something I've recently discovered. Did you always have that in you or when did you kind of discover that importance of that? Nah, nah, um, not till, not till my late twenties. And I didn't re- and it didn't, I didn't really get active in it until my, my, well, I'm in my early thirties right now, but thirties is when I, I started like, okay. Cause I feel like in the, when I just started therapy, it was like, all right, here's all the issues. And then it's like, okay, what do I do with them? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until my 30s when I was like, 
all right, let's, let's dive into this. Let's mm-hmm. dive into these things. Um, but that's what I was saying earlier. Like, I feel like in, in, in Mexican families, mm-hmm. like mental health is just not a thing, mm-hmm. you know, pray, pray that shit away. Right. That's, and I, I have no disrespect to, to faith or anything. I, I, I have my own faith, of course. Um, but yeah, man, like therapy is such a, a, an amazing tool for everybody, of course, but especially for, for people who come from backgrounds where a lot of trauma is just like swept under the rug and you mm-hmm. just keep pushing through it until you just, it's going to hit at some point. Yeah. It's going gonna, it's gonna to come to a head at some point in your life. And, mm-hmm. and to have those tools is, is everything. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's life or death, you know? Um, so, yeah, man, I'm a huge advocate of mental health, um, like seeking therapy. I always tell my students, like, you know, like, just know that you, you have, like, you know, X amount of free uh, therapy sessions through the college campus. And, like, a lot of times they're just blown away, like, what? Like yeah. what is therapy or, or I didn't know that I could get free therapy. Like mm-hmm. it's super important that yeah. mental health just as important as that physical, you know? Mm-hmm. And I've talked about it with multiple different friends. I, I honestly think mental health is probably going to be more common, more mainstream, not just at college, but like there'll probably be like five or six psychologists like available every day at high schools and the middle schools elementary school it's going to be become hopefully because i think we're like learning more about it as like we continue to progress as a society but mm-hmm. i just think there's a lot of cases where the older generation like you said they they held on to stuff for so long especially like in the mexican household i feel like um alcohol is a big escape for that too and that only gets worse and worse as you get older yep. man i i just feel like you know in 20 years people in school like i said whether it's the k through 12 system or higher education and colleges like mental health is going to be like so emphasized and there's going to be psychologists everywhere, a lot of free therapy. And it's just going to be more common for, for the average person. Cause I think it's, it's something that we still are kind of shy to talk about, but we're starting to slowly open up and hopefully in 20, I'm hoping that in 20 years, it's a lot better. Yeah, man. Yeah. I like that. I hope so too. <laughs> so to wrap things up, what are some, uh, what are the rest of your goals for in the year 2020? Let's see get married <laughs> that's like number one uh-huh. um write more music um probably put out more music but definitely write write more music um get get more fit hmm. um i'm a i'm a i'm a i'm a scrawny i'm a pretty scrawny dude and i'm trying to put on some more weight so so getting getting some healthy weight going um what else, man? I think like this was my first semester. The spring semester is my first semester teaching online, and I think it was a lot of a lot of teachers' first time doing that. Um, but so that's another it's like fall semester. I want to I want to be on a new level with with distance education. Mm-hmm. Um, like I feel I feel proud. I feel like I tried my best but it was definitely a learning experience. And so I want to just end, end the, the year off strong by having a really strong fall semester mm-hmm. uh, online. 
because I mean, who? I mean, I don't know how long this this distance education is gonna go. You know, it's yeah. definitely going through fall, maybe even spring. I don't know, mm-hmm. but I just want to. I just want to. I think I've like sometimes I feel like I'm not teaching, bro. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm just throwing assignments on there, and I'm like, oh, right, I hope they're learning. But <laughs> yeah, I got like I want to navigate around that mentality mm-hmm. that I am actually doing something and just finding more creative ways to to impact my students online. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely a challenge for sure. I one one other topic that I almost forgot I did want to talk about um, your poor Vita zine. I, mm-hmm. How did you how did that come about? How did that idea start? That actually started at Chapman um, with, with, again, another one of my friends from San Bernardino. I, I actually grew up with him. Like we went to the same high school and he, he went to Chapman because I had so many things, like great things to say about the, the program. Um, so we took this class about digital humanities and it was the first time we learned about like, like the digital space and like putting like literature and stuff out in a digital space that was different from like just writing a blog or something like that. Um, and so one of the, one of the assignments was like to, like to create like a, like an online, kind of like a website, but having to do with like humanities. And so we were like, I don't know, like, what do you want to do? And so we thought about like, okay, well, there's zine culture, which has been around since like the nineties. And it's like really DIY and punk and like people passing out their, their shit to each other. Like, what does that look like online? Um, and so like our, our initial, I, I mean, it started as an assignment, but after we did the assignment and we did the presentation, we're like, this is kind of cool. Like maybe we should actually do this. And so our whole idea was that like all right we're both writers but we don't know shit about publishing <laughs> like i don't know like i know how to write a poem but how like how do i go about getting that poem published mm-hmm. so we said okay let's use this zine for people like us to practice the art of publishing so like what does it look like to submit your work like how do you follow the prompt and the guidelines what what do you do with the feedback that those editors give you um like, okay, you got it published in the zine. Now, how do we promote it? Like all of this stuff that like we believe or that we learn from, from the program on what publishing might be like, we just wanted to make that space. Like it really started just for us to publish our own stuff, but then people started sending us stuff to a point where like now we've published people from like Yale and from like around the world, Damn. like pe- people submit to us and it's so, so trippy. Um, and it's gotten harder to keep it up because like um, my partner, he's like currently in, in Brooklyn right now. And so like, and you know, like just, just life happens, you know, mm-hmm. you get busy. So it gets hard to keep up with like reading all of the contributions, choosing them, putting it together. Uh, but, it, but Por Vida, uh, the name actually, it started, it started because we wanted to start, we just want to start brewing beer in our apartment. And, you know, <laughs> So we were going to call that Por Vida, um, but then we just, we, I mean, doing a digital zine is way cheaper. Yeah, <laughs> way cheaper. <laughs> yeah, so that, that's how those things kind of coalesce together. Um, 
but yeah, man, we're still doing it. We uh, now, like before we were doing it every quarter, like we were doing four issues a year. Now we're down to um, like twice a year, which is still fun. I'm still, I'm still proud that we're able to keep it going all the way from, I think it started in 2013. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, like seven years. Um, and we'll keep it going until we can anymore. So, so any listeners, if you're, you know, poets, uh, short fiction, uh, illustrations, photography, uh, hit us up. Porvita, P-O-U-R. Uh, this is on Instagram, underscore V-I-D-A. Um, or Porvita at gmail.com. Submit your work. That's tight, man. I'd, I'd love to send something over to you and then, you know, <laughs> let me know if you guys like it and put it in. But that's tight. I think that'd be really cool to be part of something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or even the um, when you get those photos, um, yeah, developed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm really excited about those. But I, I didn't get to tell you a lot about myself too. But I write poetry on the side, and I started getting into that as far as journaling. But I'll shoot you something uh, maybe after or this weekend or something. Yeah, yeah, we're actually looking. Uh, I think our next our next issue is coming out next month, so we still got we still got time. Okay, all right, dope, man. We'll set that up now before we wrap things up. I do like to do a couple of fun, quick hitters at the end of the show, just to help the listeners to get you know you a little bit more. Okay. If you could have any toppings on a pizza, what would they be? Oh, man, this is controversial, man. <laughs> all right, all right. And you know what's funny? Uh, we're about to go hit up Pyology after this. Okay. So, so we're, 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 we're Stegans. Have you heard of a Stegan? No, what is that? Explain that. That's no, a real thing. It's a real thing. It's not pescatarian. Everyone's always like, oh, you mean pescatarian. So it's vegan, but we partake in, in like, like fish. So that's mm. the only meat that we eat. We still don't do any dairy at all. So that's okay. like a lot, of, a lot of pescatarians will still like mess with cheese and stuff like that. Mm. Dude, I love cheese. Like that was the hardest part of becoming vegan or vegan or whatever for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, all right. So we're going to go apology because they got vegan cheese. Mm-hmm. But, I, and I'm going to have a, a, a quote unquote, pepperoni it's not gonna be real (laughs) but my toppings pineapple and jalapeno Mm, all right right. mm. (laughs) i mean i'm not a fan of pineapple but to each their own to each their own suddenly oh hey i'm sorry i don't know what happened to the the file bro we lost it (laughs) it didn't record (laughs) what about you What, what about you Ooh, I, you know, that's funny. I've never been asked this. I'd probably, I'm a big meat eater fan. So I'd probably go sausage, ham. Honestly, I like going to pizza press, which is very similar to biology. I don't know if there's any in the IE like that, but um, mm. I put like the Alfredo sauce instead of marinara sauce. So Ooh. I like that as like the base, you know, you get your cheeses, but basically I kind of keep it like a meat. I do like spinach and um, the, ooh, what are the, it's tomatoes, but they're like in the little chewy, grape tomatoes. Grape so, tomato. Yeah, so grape tomatoes, spinach, and then you know, three meats, probably probably pepperoni, sausage, and ham, or if not bacon. Nice. Yeah. All right, all right. Let me give you another go to then. Just, okay. just uh I, I'm a I'm a black olive fan. Okay. Black olive and bell pepper is also a nice one. Or mushroom. Oh man. Damn, I'm hungry. <laughs> You're making me <laughs> hungry too now. All right. So if you could talk to any person in history, dead or alive, who would you want to talk to? Hmm. <laughs> I I would I would love to talk to uh, Sandra Cisneros 
the writer mm-hmm. um just because like her poetry and her writing is so amazing and like i teach it i teach it now so just to get just to be able to have a conversation to like take back to the classroom mm-hmm. that'd be tough right on if you could visit any time period in history where would you want to go visit damn i'll probably man I'll probably go to, I'll probably go to the sixties. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool music was happening. Just a lot of like counterculture was starting to pop off all of those different civil rights yeah. movies. It would be really interesting to, are we talking like, we're going to be time travelers, right? Like if I yeah. were right now. Yeah. Like as your yeah, adult self. Like all of the shit that's happening right now. So it would be, yeah, that'd be cool to like look mm-hmm. at the, the shits going on then and now. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite, uh, you said you like the music from the 60s. Do you have a favorite artist? Uh, damn. Nah, not particularly. Uh, I think there was just a lot of cool bands going on. Mm-hmm. Like, um, uh, like the zombies and mm-hmm. shit like that. Like those kind of like, like surf rocky sort of. Yeah. Sort of shit. Okay. If you could have any kind of exotic pet, what would you want to have? Damn, these are great questions, dude. I don't, I don't even, I don't, I don't know about the exact. Cause it is it is it is it fair to the animal? True, I guess it's just like a like a hypothetical sense. I mean, if you if you I'll don't have, want a pet too, that's fine too. But I'll have like a Pokemon. Mmm. Which Pokemon? I, uh, let's see. I probably have a Gengar. Oh, all right. I like that answer. <laughs> Damn, a ghost Pokemon. Yep. Sheesh, you're you're <laughs> above it. That's like that's like next level thinking, man. <laughs> I would have said something like Charizard or Onyx or something, but man, yeah. all right. Do you, hey, did you play Pokemon Go or do you play Pokemon Go? I did for like two months, three months. I feel like I didn't get into it as much as other people did, and I kind of like if when it first dropped, I wasn't into it. But like a month later, I got into it like heavy. But then I just I fell behind in school, so I was like, all right, I gotta put this to the side and then kind of kind of folk, rearrange my uh, priorities. But yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, for for a good like two, three, three month stretch, I was like, oh damn, this is like, this is crazy, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, did you ever get a Gengar? No, I never really got anything exotic. To be honest, I think the most ex- I got a, like Electric Buzz, and I was pretty excited about that. Um, mm-hmm. But everything else was pretty like you could kind of. I remember like almost catching like a few exotic things. I remember, uh, was it a Scyther? I remember I was like, oh, like this is, this, that was exotic to me, you know? But, but there, was a few, there was a few ones that got away. But I remember, yeah, the electric buzz was like my, my trophy. Dang. I would have been more into it, but I had, a, I had an old phone. Mm. And it would overheat after like five, ten minutes of playing it. Damn, so, no way. Yeah, I couldn't get involved the way I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on the college camp, because I was in college when it came out, on college campuses, dude, they were popping because it was like, I don't know if you play like on, a, if you got to go to a college campus when it was out, but like they have Pokestops everywhere. So like any college campus, I'm sure Chapman had a bunch, UCR probably had a bunch, like Sac State, there was like, it was like a hot zone. It was like, fuck, like it was so tempting not to play it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's so weird, man, thinking about like the quarantine right now and then like what a phenomenon that was. Everyone was just like, all around each other and like that was a cool time everyone was like really nice to each other like hey did you go right over there there's a zoo bat yeah that was cool <laughs> no doubt now uh last question 
If you can give any advice to your younger self, what would it be? Be you. Just be you proudly, man. I, I, I wouldn't say I was ashamed of who I was, like, but I was like afraid that people wouldn't think I'm as cool as I would hope or like, like my music as much as I like my own music. Because I've always liked my own music. Mm-hmm. And I think that goes back to what you were saying about the confidence to put out like such an album like I call. I've always liked my own music, but there's always been like a lot of insecurities in me that are, it's always questioning like, mm. so that's what I'll say. I think I would, I would take more chances earlier if I would have mm-hmm. someone saying, just, just do it, man. Just be you, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's part of the learning process. No doubt. For sure. Mm-hmm. So before we end things, go ahead and plug where you, people can find your music as well as your Instagram and any other social medias you want to plug. Cool. Uh, so fame kills is on all of the, the major streaming spotify title apple music um, i'm actually going to release icob on bandcamp on june 5th because as you know they've been supporting mm-hmm. artists a lot during this time so june 5th so any artists that are listening to this june 5th and i believe july 3rd are going to be the next days where they're giving 100 percent of the profits to the artists mm-hmm. um so where else am i at? instagram uh it's f-a-i-m-k-i-l-l-s Anybody again trying to trying to um, submit your work to Porvida, you can email that to p o u r v i d a zine z i n e at gmail.com. Um, I'm on Twitter at Fame Kills. I'm on Facebook, but I don't really I don't really fuck with Facebook. <laughs> so yeah. I just don't no more. But I'm the, <laughs> if you use Facebook, um, I'm on SoundCloud too. But I, again, I don't really use it too much mm-hmm. um i think that's everything if it, if anyone here is interested in um like collaborating on like music videos or music sending beats anything like that you can hit me up on gmail fame kills at gmail um and if you know anybody in the ie that's going to community college tell them to go to chafee send them to professor martinez for english that's right, man. Well, <laughs> really appreciate you again for hopping on the show and you know, best of luck in the year 2020 with the wedding and everything else that you got going on. It was a real pleasure to have you on. You too, no man. Thank you for having me. This this was a great combo, man. <laughs> Fun stuff. Boom, that's gonna wrap it up for episode 108 of the My Mike and I podcast. This is Noah Alvarez. And before we sign off, did want to remind you guys, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, I would really appreciate it if you left a rating and review or just let someone know via word of mouth about the podcast. Same thing, too, if you're listening on those other platforms, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play. I know you can like and share on some of those. So I'd really appreciate it if you did some of that. You know, if you do do share something on the Instagram page, be sure to tag me at my period Mike and period I, and I'll shout you out for tuning in. That being said, man, I hope you guys stay safe during quarantine. I hope you guys stay safe during these protests. Uh, make sure you guys know the difference between a protest and a riot. If you guys are looking for support, you can reach out to me at my Mike and I Instagram page, my Mike and I at my period Mike and period I. I think I said it already a few times. This is a very different situation that we're living in in 2020. A lot going on. It's a time in history that we are never going to forget in our lives. More importantly than anything, I hope you guys prioritize yourself and your well-being through all this. Like I said in a previous podcast, you guys may feel a little frustrated, angry, sad. Whatever you're feeling, it's completely normal. It's completely okay. But I just hope you guys find positive outlets to express those emotions. Boom, that's going to wrap it up. 
for episode 108. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Much love to everyone out there. Chase dreams, not checks. And this is Noah Alvarez signing off. Until next time.